You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Today we conclude... Today we conclude our series on the faith of a mockingbird, and today we're talking about the mystery of Boo Radley. Who is Boo Radley? And maybe that question of who is Boo Radley is not unlike our question, who is God? Our scripture lesson today comes from Corinthians, Paul's uh, first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 15 verses 51 and 52, it will be on the screens and it's also in your Bibles. And it goes like this. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is no more haunting question in all of American literature than who is Boo Radley? The children of Maycomb have some wild idea of who Boo Radley is. They've heard stories. They hear that Boo Radley only comes out at night and he eats squirrels and he watches people while they sleep and he has sunken cheeks and fangs. They hear these stories and they do what any self-respecting child would do. They try to draw him out. They're not satisfied with leaving Boo Radley to the realm of legend and myth, and story. They try to see him face to face. They try to draw him out. So early in the story, uh, uh, Jim runs up and he tries to touch the Radley house because rumor has it, if you touch the Radley house, you just might die. After they survive touching the Radley house, the children begin to perform these little plays in their front yard. Their imagination of what it must be like in the Radley house, they begin to perform on their front lawn, where each child plays a particular role of what it must be like if Boo just might be real. And it's not long before the children begin to notice that there are trinkets left in the knothole of the Radley tree. On their way to school and on their way home from school, they see things like carvings made out of soap and a pocket watch and a penny and a stick of gum. So, legend, myth, turns into drama or practice. They hear these stories of Boo Radley and then they begin to perform these stories for themselves. And then, it's not long before these stories And these actions of theirs becomes actual communication with Boo Radley himself. So legend becomes action, which becomes communication. 
It's not unlike what happens in the church. Stories, or the stories of God, the Word of God, becomes worship and action. We begin to live out these stories that we hear on Sunday mornings or in Bible studies. And then eventually, these stories become such a part of who we are that they become communion. Not just communication, but communion with God and with God's people. We know the stories, uh, Adam and Eve, Noah and the ark, Moses and the law, the prophets and the people of Israel, Jesus and the church. And then we put these stories and this word of God into action on Sunday mornings. We sing hymns, we offer prayers, we gather for communion, we put these stories into practice. And then these stories, hopefully, we take with us outside of the Sunday morning worship experience, and then they become our practice out in the real world. It leads us into communion with God and to communion with each other. God is not to remain a protagonist of a bedtime story. God is calling us out inviting us into practice, inviting us into worship, but also inviting us out into the world to proclaim the mystery of faith that Christ has risen, Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ has come again. God is calling us out, much like in the same way, and those of you who are in the Genesis class on Wednesday nights, this will make sense to you. God is calling us out just like God called out the man and woman in the garden. The man and the woman, they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they hide. They hide out of fear. They hide out of shame. They hear God walking in the garden, and they escape away. But God calls out to them, where are you? And it's not that God doesn't know where they are. God created everything that is seen and unseen, and they're hiding behind shrubs. Of course God knows where they are. God is calling them out. God is calling them out of their fear, out of their shame. Where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? And then... God fashions for them. Because they are ashamed of their nakedness, God fashions for them clothing. What a graceful God we have. It's like the story in To Kill a Mockingbird where Jim is messing around the Radley house and Boo Radley's father shoots off a shotgun to scare him away. So Jim runs from the house, but he gets his pants stuck on the fence and he runs, leaving his pants behind, and there's this lovely, fantastic scene between Atticus and Jim where Atticus says, Jim, son, where are your pants? <laughs> it reminds me of my childhood. Son, where are your pants? And of course, he answers like any child would. I, 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 I don't know. It's always a mystery. Now that I'm a parent, it's always a mystery how children can lose their pants, and then look you dead in the eye and say, I don't know where they are. So late that night, Jim sneaks back to the Radley house. And when he's there, because he's going to steal his pants back, he finds that his pants have been mended. And they've been folded up 
and put in place. As if someone knew that he was there. Later in the story, Jim and Scout and the whole town, they see that Miss uh, Maudie's home has caught fire. And it's a cold evening and, and the town rushes out to try and save the house. And, and Scout is watching the house burn. And, and, and when she gets back to the house, she realizes that she's wearing a blanket. But she doesn't know where the blanket has come from. And she asks Atticus, where did I get this blanket? And he says, well... Arthur Radley put it around your shoulders. Boo Radley placed a blanket upon her shoulders to keep her warm from the cold weather. This person that Scout has been trying to draw out from the whole story was standing right behind her. But she was too preoccupied in watching the house burn to notice his presence. What a powerful story for us today. Maybe too often we are watching, we are too preoccupied with watching things burn than to notice the graceful presence of God standing right with us. Or to put it in our immediate context, sometimes we're too busy watching presidential candidates burn each other than to take a moment and recognize what God might have to say in the direction of our world in our country, in our families, in our friends, and even, maybe even, our enemies. If you want to be Methodist about it, it's called prevenient grace. It's that grace of God that moves toward us even before we know who God is. It's the grace of God that mends our clothing and folds it there so that when we return, it's there waiting for us. It's that grace of God that while we're watching the world burn, God is standing right there caring for our needs and sometimes we don't even recognize it. My, what a graceful God we worship it reminds me of Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob, the swindler, the scoundrel, the heel grabber. Jacob has hit rock bottom. He is literally sleeping in a certain place. It's not named. And he's sleeping on a rock. He's hit rock bottom. And he has a vision. He has a vision of God and the angels moving from heaven to earth. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. And Jacob says, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. God's prevenient grace is here, and we're just called to turn around and acknowledge it. I wonder how long Boo Radley had been placing gifts in that knot of the oak tree. How long had he been reaching out to the people of Maycomb, and how long have the people of Maycomb not noticed, not paid attention. You see, part of the problem with Makem is that they have defined everyone and everything. Everyone has their own place and their own compartment. Everyone has been weighed and measured and accounted for. Now, there's nothing wrong with discerning a mystery. There's nothing wrong with knowing who your neighbors are. But the problem is if you think that's the end of the relationship. 
There's nothing wrong with knowing who the people in your household are. There's nothing wrong with discerning the direction of the world. There's nothing wrong with knowing who the people in your pew are. But the problem is if we think that that's where our relationship with them ends. The people of Maycomb have Boo Radley figured out. They already know who he is, and therefore they think there's nothing left to learn. There's nothing left to discover. This past weekend, our youth group hosted Youth Ministry Architects to be with us over the weekend, and they are a consulting group that takes a snapshot of your church, and they write a, a, an assessment of who, they, of who we are. And as we're going through a youth ministry change, they sat us down, and they had um, 52 people in seven different listening groups, and they just listened to who we are. And then on Saturday morning, I tell you, if you weren't here on Saturday, man, you missed a party. We had the park at market in the, the, the parking lot. Zumba was going full blast. We had youth ministry architects in the conference, in, in, in the choir room. It was a very full and exciting day here yesterday. But Saturday morning, the youth ministry architects sat us down and said, this is who we think your church is. In other words, they weighed and measured and took a snapshot of the ministry and held up a mirror and said, this is who we think you are. How did we do? And I, I think they nailed it. They did a fantastic job. We will be putting that assessment on our website so that you can see uh, the work that they've done. Because I am convinced that you are about to see something powerful move through this church. I'm also convinced that it might just start in our youth group. It might just start in our youth ministry. And I know that you will be wanting to be a part of that powerful ministry. So we're going to put that assessment online for you to read, to see what they discerned as they took a snapshot of Asbury United Methodist Church. But the problem would be if they stopped there, if they weighed and measured and organized and discerned and came to an identity and then left. But they didn't. They offered us a snapshot of our church, and then they said, and... Here's an 18-month ministry plan to get you to where we feel and that you feel where God is calling you to be. In other words, identity, weighing, and measuring, and discerning a, a mystery is not the end of the story, it's the beginning. They offered us a plan to move forward, to answer God's call to our community of what this youth ministry is called to become and it's exciting, and it's life-giving. And I bet after seeing what amazing things happen in our group, you'll be wanting to be a part of it in whatever ministry you are a part of at Asbury. See, the people of Macomb County, they know who Boo Radley is, but the mistake that they make is that they remain there. They keep him sequestered. They keep him segregated. They have discovered who he is, and therefore there is no need to continue a relationship with him. <clears throat> the children, however, are not satisfied with this. Maybe this is what Jesus means when he says, in order to enter into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a child. They are not satisfied with Boo Radley remaining a mystery. They want to call him out. They want to see him face to face. I remember when I was in seminary. Seminary is about three years or longer, depending. 
And in the first year, you're studying about God, and you're reading all of these things, and you're, you're building what I would consider to be a God box. And at the end of the first year, you feel pretty confident. I know who God is. I have discerned God's will, and I have a very good idea of what God's will is for the world. And you kind of put all these things in a box, and you sit there saying, well, why do I have to come back to school for two more years? I have everything figured out. But they don't tell you that the next two years of seminary is you now deconstructing the box that you have built. Because you spend a lot of time learning what St. Augustine thought about God and what Anselm thought about God and what Aquinas thought about God and what Luther and Wesley thought about God. And then you spend the rest of your life discerning, what do I know about God? What do I love about God? Who is God calling me to become The beauty of To Kill a Mockingbird is that it slowly and intentionally and beautifully begins to dismantle our box, to dismantle our assumptions about the world. It reminds me of Moses standing before the burning bush, and Moses says, Who are you, Lord? Moses wants a box. Moses wants God to fit into this manageable, predictable place, and God answers him by saying, I am who I am. How's that for an ambiguous box? There are parts of God that are indeed a mystery. There are parts of God that we have a fairly good handle on. God's grace, God loves, God's justice, and God's mercy But just because we have figured some of these things out about God does not mean that our relationship with God ends with our discernment and our learning. It must continue with our heart in the community, living out the things that we have discerned. The problem with Makem is that they have discerned everything. Everyone has their place. Everyone has their definition. The Yules are trash, The Cunninghams will always be poor, and Tom Robinson will always be guilty, even though there's no evidence against him. But the children are not satisfied with this. They've heard stories of Boo, but they want to see him face to face. We must follow suit with God. We must be filled with the curiosity to take the stories that we've learned, to put them into practice, and then to go into communion with the world and with each other, communicating this mystery that we have, been, that we have found and that we have discovered. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed through living into this mystery scout is forever changed when she sees boo face to face
Mr. Arthur Radley. I believe he already knows you. The story Scout hears becomes practice, which becomes communication, until she sees Boo face to face. The stories of God, the word of God becomes our practice and our worship so that we might be in communion with each other in the world so that we too might see God face to face. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and most merciful God, help us to live into the mystery that is your love. The mystery that is your prevenient, justifying and sanctifying grace. The mystery that is your justice for all and the mystery that is your mercy for even we who gather this morning. Help us to learn your stories. Help us to put those stories into practice. Help us to be in communion with one another and with the world. And help us to see your face in the face of each other. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.